the book of Matthews on my heart today, chapter number 11. I want to begin reading in verse number 20. We're looking at this thought this morning, the invitation of the Lord, the invitation of the Lord. It's not my invitation, but it's his invitation. Would you stand to your feet? As we look in Matthew chapter 11, I want to begin reading in verse number 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for the, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 30, if correctly read. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the good testimonies that have been rendered. Father, I pray that today you'd give me the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. God, to help me to stand and preach the oracles of God. And Father, I pray that they would not fall upon deaf ears. But this morning, Lord, you would open our, hear, our ears and our understanding. Lord, that we may be enlightened and that, God, we may take the invitation that you have sent and that we might receive it and act upon it. Father, thank you for your goodness unto us. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we ask and all God's people say amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When I think about the Lord Jesus and how he came down to this earth, I think about how he started that earthly ministry and the Bible said that he went into a region called Capernaum which was in Galilee and he set up his headquarters there. And we got inside of Capernaum, the Bible said, that the light has shined in great darkness. And one wonderful truth about darkness is that when light shines, the darkness is defeated and light has the victory. Jesus is the light that came into the dark region of Capernaum that was a sin-filled area in Galilee. And we know that there's three ways the Bible speaks about the light shining. The light shines through the Savior. He said, I am the light of the world. 
The light shines through the scriptures. The Bible says uh, that when the scriptures, when the word of God enters, that causes the light to shine in Psalms 119. And through God's saints, he says, you are the light of the world. We reflect his light to those that are around us. I began to think about his ministry in Capernaum. I started back in chapter number 8. I just started looking. He healed the centurion's servant. He healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. He brought peace in the middle of the storm. He healed a man with the palsy. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. He raised up Jairus' daughter. He healed the blind men. He healed that man that was demon-possessed, those that were destitute, those that were diseased. He called disciples out of that area and he sent them in Matthew chapter 10, two by two, to preach the word of God, working miracles and healing. God was working in the region of Capernaum. But the problem was in verse 20, Jesus said they repented not. It's not that they rejected him and kicked him out of town. It's not that they said, we don't want anything to do with you. Pack your bags and leave the area. That's not what they did. It was that when he preached to them and worked those miracles, they were indifferent. They did not repent. They were vastly unchanged. Even when his disciples went forward, there were some saved, thank God for it, and there were many who were healed. But very few actually repented and received the message that Jesus saves. And Jesus said uh, for Capernaum, uh, because of the light that you've had, uh, it would have been better uh, for Sodom and Gomorrah if they had received the light that went into Capernaum. Capernaum, having Jesus there, had been exalted up to heaven with the great works that had been done in their region. And if Sodom and Gomorrah had been given that same opportunity, the Bible said they would have repented. The Bible says Sodom and Gomorrah would remain unto this day. But it's Capernaum, you're not getting by with how you've rejected the Lord. If you go to the Middle East now and you see Capernaum, it's a wasteland. It's a desert area. Now you can go to Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified, yet Jerusalem repented and Jerusalem is still a vast city today. But Capernaum, they didn't crucify him, but they repented not. They didn't want anything to do with him. May I say this morning to our nation that the Lord has done so many marvelous works in our nation. Yea, he's done so many marvelous works right here in western North Carolina. He's done many marvelous works right here at Bethel. While you heard people standing up testifying this morning of the marvelous works that he's done. Let me ask you a question. Has he been good in your life? Has he blessed you undeservedly, unworldly? Has he blessed you beyond measure? He's been good to us, amen. Thank God for it. Jesus said in verse 25, he said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. In other words, these people that are scholarly with human reasoning and human intellect, the Lord has hidden these truths from the wise and the prudent according to man's standard and he's revealed it to babes, those that are childlike, those that are humble, those that are willing to receive it. He said the only way we're going to be able to come to him is, is come to God is through Jesus Christ. Why the Bible says in John 6, that no man can come to Jesus except the Father which has sent Jesus. 
draw him. I'm glad this morning that I was drawn by the Holy Spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I look then, the Lord seems to be moving away from these cities. He's talking about Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. He's moving away from these cities, these industrious places, and now he starts going to individuals. He starts going not to the cities, but to the citizens. The cities by vast majority have rejected Christ. I'm wondering about our nation. I'm wondering about our cities. Are we rejecting the Lord? And so now he moves to the citizens. Number one, we see the Lord's invitation. What does he say? Come unto me. Jesus makes a plea. Jesus is doing the urging. Jesus is doing the drawing. Jesus is sending you and sending me a personal invitation. Now here's the thing about an invitation. If someone gives you an invitation, you have to make a decision with that invitation. Will I go or will I not go? Will I receive it? Will I reject it? You have a decision to make. The Lord gave you an invitation. It is come unto me. What will you do with the invitation of the Lord? May I say this morning that Jesus is welcoming. He welcomes you to come to him. He's looking for you to come to him. He's accessible. He's available. He's approachable. Why, I'm certain if I tried to go to our president, he would not be approachable. He would not want to hear from me. I dare say our governor would want nothing to do with me this morning. But Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, says to you and me, come unto me. He's looking for us to receive his invitation. He's welcoming us to come. Listen, those of us that's been ridiculed and ostracized and isolated and separated by the world, he wants us to come to him. Now look with me. He says, come unto me. He didn't say come to the church. He didn't say come to a denomination. He didn't say come to a religion, come to an institution. He didn't say come to a denomination. He didn't say come for a location, come to a specific spot. He didn't say come to the restaurant, come to get food. Listen, he is not a phony. He's not a counterfeit. He didn't say come to the Pope. He didn't say come to Mary. He didn't say come to Buddha. He didn't say come to Muhammad. He didn't say come to Confucius. He says come unto me. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. He's the one that the angels hover around and fly over and, and cry out holy, holy, holy. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Christ. He's the day star. He's the eternal one. He's the Father. He is God. He is hallelujah. He is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. He's King of kings, Lord of lords. He's the Master, the Messiah, the name above all names, the omnipotent one, the omnipresent one, the omniscient one. He's the quickener. He's the redeemer. He's the savior. He's the triumph. He's the unique one. He's the victor. He's the way. He's the witness. He's the excellent one. He is Yahweh. He's the zenith of my hopes and the zeal of the house. He invites us, lowly me, to come unto him. What an invitation, amen. Now, who is this invitation for? He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. All those that are toiling. All those that are weary, all those that are worn, all those that are working, 
all those that are weak, all those that are weighed down and oppressed and suppressed. I looked at you this morning in the choir, just trying to give it everything you had, trying to express your joy. But I'm telling you, there's just something inside of you that's just like, oh, I'm tired. I'm so worn out. I'm struggling. I've got some unanswered prayer requests. I've got some burdens. And I'm, I'm trying to uplift and praise the Lord. But right now, I just can't turn loose completely because there's some things that's trying to hold me back and some, some things trying to hold me down. You know what the Lord said? When you're in that condition, come unto me, all ye that labor and all ye that are heavy laden. What did he say I do? He said, I'll give you rest. Those of you this morning that you're suffering from tiredness of soul, you've got anxiety, you've got burdens, you've got worries. Jesus said, I know about it. Bring those things unto me. Come unto me. And the Bible says, I will give you rest. That's his pledge. Who is the I in this verse? It's Jesus. All things are under his feet. He has power. Unto him belong with power. He has authority. He says, I will. What does that word mean, will? It means certainly. It's not a maybe so. It's not an if, if. He says, you come unto me, I will give you rest. That is certainty. The word give, it is a gift. It is a free offer at no cost to you. I will give to you rest. What is that? Cease from labor. Those of you that are weary, I'll take your weariness. I'll exchange your weariness for strength. I'll exchange your weakness for strength. I'll exchange your worries for peace. Thank God that's a blessing to me this morning to know that I can bring to him those things and he would give me rest. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. It's not a rest that's earned. It's not a rest that is a prize to endeavor. It's a free gift. When I got saved, he gave me rest, amen. He gave peace to my troubled soul. When I came to him, amen, he saved me that day. Can I get a witness this morning? Jesus delivers us from the worries of the world. He delivers us from uh, the, the penalty of sin. He delivers us from the power of sin. And one day we'll be delivered from the presence of sin. Uh, there was a, a young boy in the, in the Philippines, and he was, had one of those rickshaws. Y'all know what that is? It, it's, it's, that's, a, that's like a, a wheelbarrow <laughs> uh, that's uh, uh, carried by a man. And here he is holding it, and he's carrying a rickshaw that's got wheels on the back of it. And he sees a little old man with a load on his shoulders, beaten down, weighed down, worried absolutely to death. And the young boy with the empty rickshaw stopped, and he said, Sir... Would you like to sit in the rickshaw and I'll carry your burden where we need to go? And the man told him. And the boy put him in the back of the rickshaw, picked him up. He started carrying. He went about a mile or so and he, he kind of slowed down to look over his shoulder to see if his passenger was relieved. And to his amazement, that old man still had the load on his shoulders. He hadn't even set it down, though he was on the rickshaw. And he stopped. He said, sir, set the load down beside you. And enjoy the ride. Honey, I'm telling you this morning, the Lord is carrying our rickshaw. He's come by and picked me up and said, get on board. I'm going to carry the load. Put it all on me. Then why in the world am I still got it on my shoulders? Why am I still trying to carry it while I'm on the rickshaw? Set it. Some of y'all doing the same thing. Set it down and let the Lord have it. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will, I will, I will give you rest. Thank God for it. Number two, we see in verse 29 the Lord's invocation. He says, take my yoke upon you. I like this verse. He says, he says take my yoke. That having relieved us from the bondage of sin, he says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. Now, maybe a lot of you young people, you don't know what a yoke is, but let me explain it. Back in the, in the old days, they would have a, a bar of wood and it would be carved to go across the ox's back and curved to go up underneath his neck and then he would be hooked up in the harness to the wagon that he might pull a load. Some of us may remember that our grandparents and maybe even some of your parents, you, you would have two oxen and they'd be yoked together to pull the load. Two can pull better. And some people like to look at this verse and say, well, the Lord is the strong ox and I'm the inexperienced ox and, and I'm just following his lead. And, and if I try to buck out that, that yoke, well, it'll, it'll tear up my hide, amen? And I've got to learn to follow the strong ox. And that's good preaching, but I don't think it's what's intended here. I think what's intended here is to say that the Lord is the master and he's hooked you up in the yoke to the harness and through that yoke, you're going to do things with the master you could have never done before on your own. And you may say, now, wait a minute, preacher. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just told me to set down my load. You just told me to give him my burdens. And that sounded good to me. And I thank God for it and I'll find rest. And now you're telling me that after I do that, I'm supposed to put a yoke on? I mean, a yoke is restraint, man. A yoke is something that would uh, allow the ox to no longer have his freedom. Honey, I'm telling you, I found more freedom in Christ than I ever had outside of Christ. He said, take my yoke upon you. And through him, you're going to enjoy rest when you put the yoke on. You may say, preacher, it don't make sense. Well, I started thinking about it. Have any of y'all ever flown a kite? So when you go fly a kite, you get that kite up in the air, and man, it gets, it'll even go as high as the clouds. And, and there you are in the kite. This is what the kite says. Hey, down there, boy, holding the string. That string's holding me back. Well, there's no telling how high I could go, how far I could fly, how, wide, how, how, how distantly I could sail if it weren't for that string that's holding me back, that restraint that's holding me down. Let, and about that time the string breaks and the kite goes down, down, down to the ground. You see, it was the restraint of the string that caused the kite to soar to new heights. Do you understand today that the yoke, you may look at it as a restraint, but in the mind and the power of God, it is that which will take you higher and cause you to accomplish things you could never accomplish before. I came in this morning and I looked on the property. We got trees. Some of these trees have been here longer than I've been here. They've been here for year after year after year. Some of them trees that I went by this morning, one of them said, hey, I'm tired of where I'm at. I know I've been planted here, but I don't want to be here any longer. I want freedom. I want to be able to move about and, and do the things that you get to go here, there, and yonder. And I want to be free to move. This ground, man, is holding me back. 
So God sends a little windstorm and snap, the tree falls over. He's free now. He's not in the ground anymore. He can't say the ground's holding me back. He's free. What's he going to do? Die. He's free to fall, free to die without the restraint in his life. Let's take a train down here on the tracks. And man, that great thunderous steel, it's power to that locomotive. He comes down the tracks and he says, you know, I'm bound by these rails. If I could just get off these rails and go out in the meadows and, and go up on the mountaintop and down in the valley low, if I could get off these rails and hold me back, there's no telling what I, the great locomotive, could do. So derail him. Take away his restraints. And he is nothing more than a heap of steel piled up, laying in the middle of the meadow. He'll never be a locomotive. He'll never be a train again. He'll never be a tree again. He'll never be a kite again. What caused him to fly? What caused him to stand? What caused him to move and pull and go? It was the restraints. It was the yoke in their life. Quit kicking at God's yoke. God has restraint in your life for a purpose. For a purpose. The invocation of the Lord. Take my yoke upon you. The oak, uh, the yoke, when the ox is under the yoke, he can do the impossible. And he, look at verse 30. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not a rest from service. It's a rest in service. Jesus is telling us today, I want to work in you. Now some of you, you want to do something for God. You said, Lord, I'm trying to find out the will of God. Lord, I want to do something for God. Here's the thing. He wants to do it in you more than you want to do it for Him. But you can't do it in you. You've got to be yoked up. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, you've took my burden. Now God put the yoke on me. Let the restraint start working in my life that I can pull, that I can go, that I can accomplish for the cause of Christ. In the, in the world's standard, in the world's wisdom, that makes no sense. But it makes perfect sense to the Lord. Thirdly, and I'll be done, there's the Lord's instruction. The word is learn. He says, learn of me, for I am weak and lowly in heart. You're to come under the authority of Christ and you're to come after Christ. To learn, I look this word up. It means to direct one's mind, to be under instruction. It is to receive direction. Capernaum was given direction. What did they do with it? They were indifferent, apathetic about it, and they would not take it. I'm telling you today, what will you do with the Lord's instruction? Will you learn of Him? Had Jesus been our teacher? Jesus prayed. What am I to do? I'm to pray. Amen. Jesus trusted the Father. I must trust the Father. Jesus submitted His will to the Father. I must submit my will to the Father. Jesus did not worry. I must not worry. Jesus sought to forgive. I must forgive. Jesus sought to love. I must love. Jesus was meek. I must be meek. When I decide to get prideful, that's when the yoke starts wearing on my shoulders and it makes me uncomfortable because he was meek and I get prideful. He was lowly. I looked all through the New Testament and I saw scriptures about the hands of Jesus. I, I saw scriptures about where Jesus walked and how he went with his feet and his legs. But I only found one verse, one verse in all the Bible about his heart. And this is what it says. 
learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Amen. And you shall find rest for your souls. That means to be rid of worries, to be rid of fears, independent of the circumstances of life. It is peace in the middle of problems. Some of you think peace is the absence of problems. God said my peace is peace in the middle of problems. I can give peace in the middle of the storm without ever stopping the storm. A little girl and a young man got married. He was a Marine and he was in full uniform. And uh, he had a bayonet in which he was uh, married to her. And they, they went on a cruise ship and he put his full uniform to get on the cruise ship to take off on the honeymoon. And they got in an unexpected storm. It was not forecast. They lost radio contact ashore. The little girl lost phone signal. She couldn't call her daddy. Oh, Lord. She couldn't call her mama. What are we going to do? And she started pacing back and forth, back and forth. And the Marine just sat down on the edge of the bed and watched his new wife just pacing back and forth, worried to death what was going to happen in the storm. And finally he said, Honey, what? She said, and another thing, not only have I lost contact with the shore and I can't talk to my mama, I can't talk to my daddy, all you do, all you do when I'm in this trouble is sit there. You just sit there and stare at me. I said, what am I supposed to do? She said, you ought to do something. You're my husband. So he jumped up and he grabbed her and he took out his bayonet and he put it up to her face and her neck. He said, aren't you scared? She said, no. He said, why are you not scared of my bayonet? This is dangerous. It's a weapon. She said, because I'm not afraid of you. It's in the hands of the one who loves me. He said, that's why I'm not afraid of the storm. Because the storm is subject to the control of my Savior. I want to say this morning that the Lord has sent an invitation. He sent it out to you and he sent it out to me. And the recipients of the invitation must make an invitation. Notice that one of my points this morning was not the fourth point. I don't have one, but it was not the Lord's information. I wasn't just giving you out recommendations and suggestions and just giving you some information so that you might take it and receive it. So, okay, well, I'll file that away. I'll have it and I'll be good. That's not the Lord's information. It's the Lord's invitation. He knows this morning you're worried. He knows why you're disturbed. He knows why you're burdened. He knows about your daughter. He knows about the boy. He knows about the grandchildren. He knows about the family unit, the husband and the wife. He knows about the scares on the job front. He knows about COVID. He knows about disease. He knows about death. He understands your discouragements and your disappointments. And in those times, he says, come unto me and all ye that are heavy laden, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's available today to you. You stand to your feet. The invitation is given. Today you need to come unto Jesus. You come tell him right now. Say, Lord, thank you for that promise. Thank you for that truth. Lord, I receive your invitation. I'm RSVPing right now. I'm checking in, sir. Here I come, Lord. You know about it. Help me today, God, that I might have rest. 
Maybe there's somebody today, you're wanting to serve God. You're trying to figure out what God wants you to do. Why don't you come today and say, Lord, here I am. For the, think about a beast, a burden. Think about an ox or a horse that just bowed down his head and say, Lord, Master, just go ahead and put the yoke on me. Somebody today, God's calling you to wear the yoke for his glory. And you and he together are going to accomplish things that you would think would never, ever happen. What a God today. Somebody needs to bow the head and say, yoke me up, Lord. I'm ready to work for you this morning. Father, I thank you for the word of God. And I appreciate the people of God. And Father, you've given us that set in darkness. You've given us great light. You've given us understanding. And Father, having received the light of the word of God and having received the instructions from the master, Lord, we take your invitation and we receive it. We act upon it, God. We're burdened. Lord, we're worried. God, we're concerned. God, we prayed and sought your face and there are things that are yet unanswered, God. Things we're looking to you for. Things we are trusting you about. God, help me, Lord, not to doubt. Help me, Lord, that faith would win. Faith would obtain the victory. God, help us to continue to look. And today we bow on our knee to come unto Jesus. Lord, that we might cease from our labor and cease from the heavy ladens that we carry. And God, will you give us rest? You said you would. You said you would. And God, we lower our head. God, you're calling us to a task. You're calling us to the matter. God, we lower our head and say, Lord, we submit. We surrender. Yoke us up, God. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Help us, God. You're the master to carry the load without bucking, without resisting, without trying to throw it over. Help us, God, to go forward. Lord, I pray now, God, that you would help us, God, to take this yoke and learn of you because you're meek and lowly in heart. That means under the yoke, Lord. I'm not to be complaining under duress. I'm not to be chiding. I'm not to be aggravated. Help me, God, I pray, to have peace in my soul. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.